Before I get going, uh, let me say that this recording is more personal to me than anything I've done before. I'm giving you an insight into the way I think and the way I believe and the way I hurt and the way I compensate for it. This is a slice of me that you may not have known, and I sincerely hope you can share it. When who can I turn to becomes an overarching joy. Lately, I found that I have a much easier time expressing my thoughts and beliefs by writing rather than using the lifelong talent afforded me of speaking. There is something about writing that allows for mistakes to be corrected and ideas to be flushed out. Writing doesn't give the thought or idea any further weight. It just allows the writer to think again, to make sure, to the best of his or her ability, that what is written is truly what is intended. The other aspect of writing is that there isn't a necessary point to the written piece other than the effort of getting the views down so that the sense of purpose is spelled out for at least the written perspective. With all of the above duly noted, I'm putting down my experiences this morning and afternoon in the realm of what I'm going to bravely call transcendence, as it became a moving part of my personage this day. In other words, I will never be the same all because of this experience of touching the hem of the garment that I call the heavenly cloak. As I continue to write this, I received a call from a dear friend, Larry Piller, a lifelong person in my life, mainly because of his love for my sainted mother and her influence on his ministry. When I say old friend, I mean a person who has been close to me for over 40 years. There isn't a week goes by that I don't have a conversation with Larry and benefit from his knowledge, steeped in his many academic degrees, but perfected in his love and devotion to God. Larry takes conversation seriously and never fails to temper any remarks or advice with the humility of his own convictions. When I ask the same question Tony Bennett asked, who can I turn to, I immediately thought of Larry. But that's all after the experience that I lived through this day. I listened to the lyrics penned by Leslie Brickus and Anthony Newley, of Who Can I Turn To When Nobody Needs Me, and sorrowfully felt like that person in the song, I was. And I was devoid of who to turn to, and confident that on this time and day, nobody needs me. That is a 
shining example of the poor me attitude, often condemned but universally felt. That empty space where self-confidence usually lived and now had fled to the far-off land was as cold as any lamenting or past sorrowful experience had ever been. That feeling acted like a facilitator, painting my sense of being as dark as any unlit room could be. St. John of the Cross described the dark night of the soul. My feelings this morning were such that I was sure the night of the soul could not get any darker. There was no ladder to climb, no stairway to navigate, not even a glimmer of hope for a way out of that quagmire. Who can I turn to, indeed? Is there anyone or anything that can pull me out of the binds of self-pity? Am I forever chained to the demons of poor me? Then my usually mainstay of level-headedness, my sweet wife Kathy of over 60 years, suggested, Can you pray? Oh, I was incensed. Can I pray? What a thing to say to a drowning man. It's like shouting, while you're out there flailing about in the depths of water, can you just float? At that moment of my confusion, the statement of, can you pray, fell on deaf and disbelieving ears. I wanted to scream, what do you think I'm trying to do? Pray indeed. Followed closely by, keep a good thought for all of the good that retort does. Her well-meaning and sincere advice was like salt on an open wound. I would have allowed my hurt to be the only answer to her offer of solace. No, like so many pigs before me, I was becoming comfortable in wallowing in the monk and mire of self-indulgence. Who can I turn to? The answer is no one, nowhere, no how. To take my mind off of my lonely thoughts, I decided to revisit a subject that I've been grappling with for several weeks now. Simply put, what has Augustine's definition of original sin done to the Christian body ever since his proclamation in the years of his rule 364 to 430 A.D. His concept of humanity was that we were all conceived in sin due to the fall of Adam and Eve, which in the years 300 or so were taken as literal fact. One man, one woman, one snake— and the guilt laid on all humankind from conception through modern generations. Grab your fig leaf and run for the hills. You, mankind, have sinned and will forever be doomed unless you can find a way or a solution out. You take the early Christian edict and let the legalism of the Reformation codify it and you get generations after generations of homo sapiens bound by the inherited guilt, all because of one man's bite 
into the serpent's offered fruit. The only thing left for us is a wrathful God to bestow forgiveness on his poor creatures and give them a way out of the quagmire of humanness translated into sin. Hence, the hymn of humanity sung from sea to shining sea was, Woe is me, woe is me. But just wait a moment. I think as I joined the multitudes in shouting our mea culpa, I was not conceived in sin, I was conceived in love and born to a kinship with the Prince of Peace, the one formed from God before all time and eons, and the cause of the Big Bang, the existence before existence, the adopter of all creation into a sonship and a brotherhood of everything that was, is, and is to be. Can I lift my head to praise the origin of my subsistence? Do I have the right, by being adopted into the family of God, to sing eternal praises before the reason of my foundation? In the year 1834, an orchestra played for the first time Beethoven's immortal Symphony No. 9, composed when the master was completely deaf, since he was 29 years old. The Ode to Joy was first heard in the heart and soul of a musical genius who, because of his deafness, was the only person to hear the magnificent masterpiece as it played across his mind as heard by his creator, the originator of the word joy. With tears in my eyes and a pulse of joy in my heart, I listened to this outpouring of praise before the architect of the cosmos and realized the answer I sought for the question of who can I turn to when nobody needs me is the same source of life mankind has been turning to since the inception of the creators created. What a joy! And I will forever bathe in the ode to joy I can enjoy because the deaf son of man was able to hear the joyous hymn of praise before anyone else. Thank you. This is Jim McCrow.